this episode... Netflixed, the epic battle for America's eyeballs. So you think about Blockbuster was at its peak back in 2004, right? 9,000 stores worldwide. And by about 2007, they were kind of on the ropes. Something they'd tried a couple of times before with different CEOs. And each time, it was an utter failure. Within a very short period of time, a behemoth of an industry disappears. I know, you're sort of caught up in your own hubris of just how wonderful we've been. Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi, everybody. I'm Sean Callahan, and today I'm here by myself. Mark is out in the Simpson Desert, you know, sort of spending some time in the great outdoors, uh, keeping away from all the lockdowns that were happening uh, here in the eastern states of Australia. So uh, so today I'm going to be doing a quick story. I'm going to share the short story with you and, uh, and we'll get through this pretty quickly, I would say, just with me, single operator, doing it all on my own. Uh, so the story I, I'm going to share with you is one that I've been hoping to share for some time now. I, I guess I... I came across it reading a, a really interesting book called Netflixed, The Epic Battle for America's Eyeballs by Gina Keating. And I remember reading this part of the book and I was thinking, yep, that would be a great story to have in your story repertoire. So let me just kick it off. Um, so you think about Blockbuster was at its peak back in 2004, right? 9,000 stores worldwide. And by about 2007, they were kind of on the ropes. Netflix had emerged as a serious competitor. There was uh, you know, a downturn in the economy. Uh, other competitors were coming in and they were struggling. Now, they had played around with this idea of potentially building an online service, right? One to compete with Netflix and what Netflix was doing. And, uh, you know, they had Nick Shepard, their chief operating officer, who was really pushing this idea of a blockbuster streaming service. Uh, but, you know, he was up against it. Uh, his CEO at the time, uh, John Antiocho, wasn't really loving the idea. Uh, and in the end, because Antiocho was really having problem with the board, he ends up retiring. In fact, I think he was feeling that he got ripped off on a bonus payment. So he, he left uh, the organisation and Blockbuster replaced him with a gentleman called Jim Keyes. Now, Jim Keyes had just turned around 7-Eleven after um, a real problematic period in that organisation's time where they were being pressed out of business really by you know, those small, uh, essentially service station, um, what would you call them, uh, little marts, mini marts. And and he came in and really streamlined their operations and had this massive turnaround. So by the age of 50, Jim Keyes retires from 7-Eleven after they get a big buyout by their Japanese uh, part of their business. And, you know, he thinks he's going to, you know, relax and take it easy for some time. But he gets approached by Blockbuster to come and join as the CEO. Now, 
He's hailed as a bit of a hero, of course, you know, because of his turnaround of Seven uh, Eleven. And when he comes and starts with uh, Blockbuster on the 2nd of July, 2007, um, he has a pretty clear idea of what he's going to do. He's learned a lot from his time at 7-Eleven. And he announces his strategy and pretty much says he's going to put the stores at the centre of everything the Blockbuster does. He sees them as a retail outlet. He's going to really get them back into and and amplifying all the things they were doing and make them great again, which was his uh, phrase, as an entertainment destination that will sell a mix of prepared foods such as pizzas, uh, fountain sodas, as well as electronics. So he was going to sell iPods and DVD players, etc. at his stores. Now, his executives uh, already knew that this was a something they'd tried a couple of times before with different CEOs, and each time it was an utter failure, right? And so they they sort of presented their data to Keys, and what they discovered that the reports that they sent to him were actually returned unopened. The guy was not listening at all. So as these executives, they, they pretty well quickly left... Uh, the organisation at that point, at block, leaving Blockbusters, and they poured the money that they got from their, you know, sort of severance packages, etc., uh, into shares for Netflix stock, right? Which should have been the first uh, indication that something was not right here. Um, so they left, they left, and then within a pretty quick period of time, uh, Keys, you know, put a lot of money into... Um, upgrading and renovating the stores, which he did. And within three years, on March the the 17th, 2010, Blockbuster issues a bankruptcy warning, uh, mainly because of massive drops in revenue and just its inability to service its, you know, billion dollars of debt that it was um, holding at the time. By the 1st of July in 2010, the company gets delisted from the New York Stock Exchange. And then on September 23, 2010, Blockbuster files for Chapter 11 bankruptcy uh, just due to the amount of money it owned. So that was the end of Blockbuster. Had such a great opportunity. They had multiple times to buy Netflix. They At the end, uh, Netflix was still offering Blockbuster a billion dollars to buy out just its subscribers, right? The number of subscribers that Netflix had, but they didn't take up that offer. So there you go. Within a very short period of time, a behemoth of an industry disappears. So what do you think? What do you think of that story? Could you use it in an organizational setting? What does it mean? Well, a couple of things just in terms of what we'd normally do, thinking about you know what we like about that story. I mean, obviously the contrast is a big one. You know, we start off with an organization, 9,000 stores strong, global presence. Uh, everyone kind of remembers those times of just popping down to the Blockbuster video store, choosing their video rentals. And, and today it's gone, right? It doesn't exist. Now, I know my Blockbuster store, which is just down the street, it actually has been turned into a mini-mart, right? So eventually did achieve 
what Keyes was hoping to uh, make happen uh, with his blockbuster stores. Uh, not in the way he hoped, I'm sure. Um, so that contrast is a great element of the story. I think the other thing too is, you know, you sort of do need to know the names of some of these people, you know, um, you know understanding the names of, uh, you know, sort of uh, Jim Keyes and, and get a bit of a sense of, you got to understand where he's come from. He's come from this 7-Eleven retail, you know, sort of uh, space where he was super successful. I think this is the thing. you got to really build up the fact that he had this great success and then probably could have done more in showing how unwilling he was to take on the ideas of his executives. They were all telling him this is a doomed approach. Um and even though the board was supportive, and this is the problem, the board was supportive of this idea, and not entirely, but a good number of people on the board were supportive of the retail idea as the way to trade out of this problem, but they weren't really onto it. They were out of touch with what was going on. Now, in terms of you know what would make this story better, I mean, I think you could easily do a shortened version of this story. You know, um, I think you can crunch it down a little bit more. Um, but, you know, I think this is a, as a first cut version of the story. Um, it was interesting going through, um, you know, Gina's book to pull out the bits that, you know, really grabbed me and in terms of little anecdotes in it. Like, for example, when the uh, reports that the executives submitted to, to Keyes about how they tried this before and it was a failure, how they were returned unopened. I thought that was a nice... A nice image that I could just sort of see these envelopes, you know, just going back to the executives hadn't even been touched. Um, really sort of sets that image of this guy being someone who's just so full of themselves, so full of their own, uh, you know, success that they really can't see it. Now, where would we use this story? Um, for me, uh, this is a great story when you get I know, you're sort of caught up in your own hubris of just how wonderful we've been. It's just another one to have in your back pocket as, as a, a salutary warning. Guys, let's don't get caught up. Let's look at the data. Let's, let's go back and sort of see what's really happening out there. Get some ground truthing happening. Because, you know, just this idea of going on your own gut is probably going to take you um, down the wrong path, right? A catastrophic path in this case, the end of Blockbuster. Now, what would I give this? What would be my rating? I think the rating here would be, I think this is a good story. There's some great names involved, Blockbuster, Netflix. It's not the most complex story. It's easy enough to tell. I'm going to give this a solid eight, you know. I think this is a story that I could tell. Uh, I think it's a story you could use. It'd be a great one to, you know, set the scene, you know, especially after a period of great wins in your organisation, just to bring people down and remind them how easy it is to go from the top. You know, so remember, back in 2004, Blockbuster had 9,000 stores. By 2010, six years later, they were bankrupt. So that's something to really, you know, keep in our minds. Well, guys, hope you enjoyed that. Hope you were able to put that into practice. This is probably one of the shortest uh, 
episodes we're going to have. If you do like these episodes, please let your friends know. Show them how to subscribe to a podcast. I think that's something we should be doing is just helping people find podcasts, use these new podcast services and uh, how to subscribe to them so they can get their episodes on a on a regular basis. So, you know, whatever app you're using on your iPhone or Android device, uh, let people know how to do that. And please spread the word. Let people know about what we're doing here. Uh, if you find these stories useful, if you can jump onto LinkedIn or any other social network uh, platform and yeah, share the share the love, uh, let people know. Because I think if we can get more and more people sort of sharing stories in organisations, we will really start to you know, shift these organisations to be more human places to work. Thanks again for listening to Anecdotally Speaking. And yeah, tune in next week for another episode on how to put your stories for, to work. Bye now. Anecdotally Speaking was engineered by Dave Stokes from author to audio.